It's Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling, there are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. Can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear, Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use a good steak for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family got a little bit of pre-holiday overstock sale going on. You want it, he's got it. In addition, they're highlighting Giza Dream Everything and a promo code steak at checkout. And you're going to get big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched my coffee. You a promo code steak there. And you're going to get 25% off your order, 50% off if you monthly subscribe. MyStore.com forward slash steak. It's the website for that. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming... Potting. Daring? Oh. Get those of your needs taken care of and done up right. Odyssey.com is the website. Find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company. Hand-rolled and aged three years. Picked from the fields of Nicaragua right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. You a promo code STEAK here. You're going to get 15% off your total order. Free shipping on any orders over 100 bucks. A $10 e-gift card with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com forward slash Steaky Premium Smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL if you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada. He's also got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast backs to blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off-duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic, sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more, stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home. The Zero Fucks Duck. Holiday season's coming up. Stuff those stockings right. Dumpbox.us. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, and to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app from the Republican High Council, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 190. I'm Ro. Noah's here. Yo. Antoinette's joined us. 
Guys, we've got a great show lined up. Congressman-elect Kevin Kiley from California is going to be joining us with a big update from Capitol Hill this week. In addition, we've got former congressman and current True Social CEO Devin Nunes coming in for it. what I like to call a little bit of a fireside chat. But before we get to any of that, let's jump right into the news. I've been going through these investigations and hoaxes and scams from the day I came down the escalator at Trump Tower. And you'd really say enough is enough. Got to get back to work. Got to prove that we have a great country again, because right now it's not great. Right now it's a laughing stock all over the world. And we sort of all had it. The people of the country have had it. Joe Biden is a corrupt and incompetent political hack. And you take a look at all of the money that he's taken from foreign countries and others, much of it through his son, Hunter, who is a corrupt drug addict and implementer for his father. Where's their special prosecutor, by the way? Damn! Where's their special... They said when I announced I had to do this. Well, he announced, too. He said he wants to run. Where's their special prosecutor? And we are innocent. They are not innocent by any stretch of the imagination. They have the proof right out there for all to see. They left the exact blueprint of much of the criminal activity is done on his laptop from hell, they call it. The laptop from hell, which was gotten inadvertently, but luckily for America, when... He incredibly left it at the repair shop to be fixed. That was not a good day. That was not a good leave. I wonder if the father was upset about it. He may not have understood the meaning. Did he understand that that was not good? Because he said he's the smartest person I've ever known. Hunter's the smartest person I've ever known. A lot of people shook their heads at that one. Does everybody remember the billion dollars of USA funds paid to Ukraine under the condition that they get rid of the prosecutor? That prosecutor's got to be fired. Remember that? Nothing gets done. Why isn't there a special counsel being set up for them? Tremendous corruption. They're corrupt people. They're criminals. And they certainly are. That's uh, 45th president of the United States. Earlier this uh, week, well, over the weekend at a uh, black tie event gala if you will and uh welcome to the show it's tuesday thanksgiving week everybody's hyped uh busy news weekend which is kind of weird following the midterms and uh pre-new congress getting sworn in but that's just been the nature of the you know news cycle for the past five years i think everybody's hyped except for maybe the turkeys we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later in news and, too and Don't hunter biden there you go. Um, and that was President Trump pointing out some of the things uh, regarding the special counsel um, who's to be headed by Jack Smith, former Obama administration official and lawyer who helped initiate the IRS targeting conservative scandal back in during the Obama administration. Imagine that. We've also come to learn over the past, you know, 48 hours or so, his wife is a huge max donor for Democrats, which included Joe Biden's presidential campaign and... She was the producer of the Big Mike Michelle Obama documentary. So extremely sounding bipartisan special mm-hmm. counsel about ready to look into the 45, 45th president of the United States for absolutely nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, so if you're joining us for the first time today, welcome. Make sure you're following us across all social medias. They're linked in the show description. Uh, share and subscribe as well. And then uh, programming notes. We'll be back on Friday. Uh, we're going to have a well, quickie edition of Steak for Breakfast. We got you know a couple heaters coming your way as you're uh, digesting all of the Thanksgiving deliciousness. Former acting U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker will be here, and former Trump administration. Um, 
he was one of Trump's confidants in the White House. Theo Wold will be joining us. So we'll be able to break down all of this and more with them. Um, but, yeah, let's jump into this news. So that's that's kind of where President Trump was at. I mean, he's obviously sick and tired of it. Um, the, the persecution of both him and all of his family over the course of the last seven years has been things like we've never seen before. And it looks like it's going to con- continue with the... Uh, assignment of this special counsel last week. I did see some commentary regarding this. Uh, Greg Jarrett was talking about it and the partisan nature of it off of, you know, some of the resume we just read you off about Jack Smith and his family. Let's hear him weigh in on the assignment of the special counsel. Ludicrous to the point of being laughable for Merrick Garland to stand there and cite a conflict of interest that merits the appointment of a special counsel to investigate Trump while at the same time there is a far greater conflict of interest that demands, and it's mandatory under the special counsel statute, for Garland to appoint a special counsel to investigate Hunter and Joe Biden. Uh, What also concerns me is that, you know, a special counsel under the regulations is supposed to be impartial and outside the Department of Justice. Uh, This named special counsel is far from impartial and neutral. He served in the DOJ during two Democrat administrations. He's clearly biased politically, and he's barely out of the Department of Justice, where he spent most of his career. So, you know, I, I am worried that this is shaping up to be just like the Andrew Weissman, Bob Mueller special counsel partisan team of prosecutors that are going to go after Donald Trump with a vengeance and not be fair as the special counsel statute demands. What do you think, Noah? No lies detected? Mm-mm. I mean, and that's the thing. You, you still have these people that believe every hook, line, and sinker that they were spouting about Trump mm-hmm. with literally no evidence other than you know the bullshit fabricated stuff that they, they purported to be true at the time. But now we have literal evidence that even mainstream news media is is verifying. Mm-hmm. Good timing, you know, after the you know midterms. But you know, whatever. What are you gonna do? So we're all in the uh, agreement here that this will be Trump is finished until nothing comes out of it. Yeah, it's it's gonna be. They're gonna tout that as a distraction to take away from anytime you speak about the Hunter Biden. Right. A laptop and corruption that is the Biden family. People are just going to be like, well, look at Trump. He's being he's yeah. being impeached again. He's not even president. But but what exactly. about what about places like CBS, who after nearly 800 days acknowledged yesterday after they left Twitter for 24 hours because Donald Trump was reinstated? We're going to get into that in a moment. They left Twitter for 24 hours to come back to say they now acknowledge that the Hunter Biden laptop and all of its contents that was their first that was their first post back are real (laughs) (laughs) i know so funny we're standing in solidarity with all the blue-haired meanies that got fired by the way the biden laptop is real so ohio congressman jim jordan i saw him on fox business yesterday he was kind of you know leading taking that narrative from greg javit to the next level because you know this is all going to be something that's under the watchful eye of of congressional committees come January. Let's hear him weigh in on the appointment of the special counsel. 
Well, I think it's just one more example of how political the Justice Department has become, and it's why 14 whistleblowers have come and told us that, 14 FBI agents. But I want to go back. I want to go back to May of 2013. The Inspector General at the Treasury Department issues a report and says Obama's IRS targeted conservatives. Yes. In our, in our investigation at that time, we discovered that the Department of Justice was trying to find ways to prosecute the very people who Obama's IRS targeted. And, and Maria, guess who? Guess who was the, the lead person at the Justice Department looking for ways to target and prosecute the very people Lois Lerner went after? Jack Smith, the guy Merrick Garland just named as special counsel to go after President Trump. Now think about this in the broad sense. In 2016, they spied on President Trump's campaign. In 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. In 2020, they suppressed the Hunter Biden story just days before the most important election we have. And in 2022, 91 days before the midterm election, they raided President Trump's home. And then this week, Three days after President Trump announces he's running for president, one day after Mr. Comer did his press conference, guess what? Merrick Garland says, we're going to put in as the special counsel the very individual who was at the Justice Department and was looking for ways to prosecute the people Lois Lerner and Obama's IRS targeted. If that's not a political Justice Department, I don't know what is. So this is why we're going to look into this issue and we're going to get to the bottom of everything they've been doing at the politicized DOJ. You better. I'm optimistic. Yang, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As usual. No one better than to give a little bit more narrative on this. We got a taste on Friday mm-hmm. from the official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, Liz Harrington. Now, you're going to have to cite me on this. Maybe do a little real-time research. Like write you a ticket? Here's the thing. I don't know where I'm, I'm trying to look right here. It's called. You want me to fact check you? News Nation. News Nation. I don't know where you could find it. Fake News Nation. Pretty much, it's where Fredo has set up shop. Oh, Fredo! And believe it or not, I was. Are there garlic knots? Scanning social media, Fredo. Eat. I know. Close enough. Mm. Eat my brother's sausage. So I'm I'm flipping through here, social medias, looking for something good for the show. And I see like a split screen video. I scrolled past it real quick and I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's Liz. I scroll back. She went on his show to talk about the appointment of the special counsel. I was highly surprised, but she did not. She she didn't break character. Nice. Let's hear Liz Harrington, one of our favorites. Thanks for taking the opportunity to do this. Um, From one of the analysts uh, gave uh, uh, gave me the prompt for a question, which is, why doesn't the former president, if he's so confident, that this investigation will yield nothing, why doesn't he welcome it and say, go ahead, do what you want to do. I'm not worried about it. I'm going to run my race and I'm going to win. Because that's not how our system of justice is supposed to work. This has been going on for over six years now with hoax after hoax after hoax. A Justice Department investigating President Trump for non-crimes and in many cases, trying to frame him, spying on his campaign, inventing the Russia hoax. They put a $1 million bounty trying to corroborate fake claims in a dirty dossier made up by Hillary Clinton. And here we are all these years later, the same corrupt people are now going after their number one political opponent once again, just three days after he announces He's running for the White House again. 
This is corruption at the highest levels, and they're trying to turn us into a banana republic, and we cannot let that happen. <laughs> what was his response? How dare you stop it? I was, I, I was waiting. I wish there would have been more, but... Uh... Did he just go... I wanted, I was just imagining his reaction while she was speaking when she said Hillary. Yeah, what was, he, what was he doing with his face? Yes, exactly. They went to full screen, Liz, when she oh, was talking. Oh, of course. Um, they, you know, and they, go, she, they go back to him, and he's just like, his eyes rolling back in his head, and he's drool, drooling. Yeah. <laughs> she made her triumphant return to Twitter yesterday, um, which, which I was extremely happy for. Nice. And yeah, and, and she put out a heater this morning. We'll, we'll just get into it. Uh, so this is how Trump world kicked off the morning. New. For all the rhinos, never Trumpers, radical left Democrats, and of course the fake news media, please enjoy the latest poll from the highly respected Emerson College. I'm sure you'll be thrilled, President Donald J. Trump. And then it <laughs> says, National Republican Primary Poll. It has the blurb that I just read right above it, and then the cut and paste of the poll. Trump 55%, DeSantis 25%, Pence 8 Cheney 4 Cruz 3 Haley 3 Hogan 1 So pretty... Pence, Pence got 8? <laughs> Well, good job. Yeah, well, Cheney. Cheney got four. Uh, who, who the fuck's Cheney? Mm. Yeah. Mm. But uh, speaking of Twitter, so we've all come to learn that Donald Trump has had his uh, official Twitter account unlocked. Is ours back? No. Oh. So I'm gonna even check in the spam folder. We need to reply to email. Oh, and- do they? Do they actually? Uh, they send you an email to let you know that you're back. Mm-hmm. Why don't you start tagging Elon? I, I have been. Oh, I tag him all the time. Yeah, we're small potatoes. Could we have somebody else tag Elon for us? Almost smaller than the potatoes on our Could we send our massive listenership on an Elon tagging spree to free steak for breakfast? <laughs> Hashtag free steak for breakfast. Mm. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, there, there, there's a lot of controversy regarding this. Obviously, meltdowns from the left. We should get into that first. No, those are amazing. Um, and, and there were quite a few of them. Let's hear, uh, well... Crying Adam Kinzinger <laughs> on Trump being reinstated to Twitter. It was uh, quite delicious. Thanks for joining us. So Trump was taken off Twitter in the first place for inciting the violent insurrection against the Capitol. Mm, you remember nope. the committee investigating the insurrection. What do you make of Elon Musk reinstating Donald Trump? Well, look, I mean, I, I get that people are on all sides of this debate. The fact that he did it with a poll of which, you know, however many percent of those could have been bots that aren't real people voting really? in that. Uh, secondarily, I don't know Just if, like the real elections? You know, that decision should be made by some poll. I mean, what happened, I, if remember specifically when this was all done, so not only was he lighting and accelerating the fire on January 6th, mm. also before January 6th with mm. his conspiracies, mm. at the end of the day, he said, this is what you get when a victory is so unceremoniously basically taken away from the American people. So not only when it was done, did he have any remorse, he said, well, of course you guys had an insurrection because that's what you get when you steal an election. I mean, I remember seeing that specific tweet and, and just uh, being outraged at how after all this is done, can you still do that? And so now this idea that he's going to come on and be reformed, everybody knows he won't. And by the way, I'll say as a quick aside, the person probably the most upset today is Devin Nunes because this is going to tank Truth Social if he does in fact leave. Oh, no. Mm. So funny. Wow. Agreed. Agreed. A, lot, a, lot of, a lot of reaching there. Yeah. Lots of reaching. So Trump incited the insurrection by saying, quote unquote, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No Mm -hmm. violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. 
Please support Capitol Police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. Right. Is that is that the incitement, or was there one before that that I, I missed? Comments from the left saying timestamp, huh? What's the timestamp? But they, do they not like they don't even take into account that he was still speaking, <laughs> and he, and like if you wanted to walk to the Capitol, it was like a forty five minute walk. It had already started while he was speaking. Yeah, what, what's the timestamp? I'm like, is that all you got? You people are ridiculous. <laughs> the meme that Grand Old Memes made in response to that audio clip is, uh, you know, the guy crying on his back where he's usually where he's making the puddle around him. But the, pu- the puddle is the color of the Ukrainian flag. The tears are blue. And they put a little wiener on him and has him peeing all over himself, too, and making the bottom half of the Ukrainian Gosh. flag. That's great. Oh, that's amazing. Can't, can't beat it. Uh, definitely won't join it. Watermelon head. Um, jumped on ABC's uh, one-on-one this weekend to discuss this as well, amongst several other things. You know, when there's a special counsel getting rolled out, no one's going to come out and tell more non-truths than Adam Schiff. Let's hear him uh, weigh in on Trump returning to Twitter. Overnight that Donald Trump has been reinstated by Elon Musk on Twitter. Watching the January 6th committee hearings, Trump's tweets were a big part of the story to be told. What, What do you think of him being back on Twitter? I think it's a terrible mistake, and you're absolutely right. As we showed in the January 6th hearings, the president used that platform to incite that attack on the Capitol. Uh, His comments about the vice president, his own vice president, put Mike Pence's life uh, in danger. He showed no remorse about that. Uh, He continues to lie about uh, his actions on that day. He talks about pardoning the people who attacked police officers and attacked the Capitol that day. Uh, and it contradicts what Elon Musk uh, said, that he was going to establish a council to evaluate this uh, and, and further contradicts uh, Musk uh, and his claimed concern about bots on his own platform uh, to subject the decision to a poll in a platform that could be easily abused that way. Uh, it just underscores the, the erratic leadership of Twitter now under Musk, but also the security concerns uh, with security people fleeing Twitter. Uh, and what that means for the protection of Americans' uh, private data. So they should have had uh, Elon should have done the poll crazy. via mail-in uh, ballot. The human version of bots, which is mail-in voting, is fine in real elections, mm-hmm. but Twitter polls that have possible bot influence online, well, yeah, they're I find bad. That they're even talking about bots now when they're like literally the party of bots. Yeah, we don't have bots, do we? I mean, no. maybe we do, but not as much no, as they not. do. No, nothing anywhere near. They're like the worst I've seen is like okay, their bots and then like these crypto bots. Like if I follow like a cryptocurrency, like a verified account, I get flooded in my DMs with a bunch of bots that are like you know trying to scam people and whatnot. I've never seen like right like you know right wing bots, not you to my knowledge. Get a lot of Nigerian princes. <laughs> I've been those for sure. <laughs> you will send me fourteen hundred dollars in Walmart gift cards, and I will send you one point four billion dollars in gold. Mm. Right. This whole Pence thing too is hilarious because all he, he basically told him what his job is and what he could do if he wanted to, and he told him to do the right thing basically. Well, and the whole thing's that. a giant reach. I mean, it's, it's basically a giant reach I mean, around pencil neck really lying again blatantly to the people like he usually does. So, I mean, they've got nothing else left. 
Wait, he's pencil neck and watermelon head? Yes. Just the physics of that alone. Just I know, right? Well, Trump set it up perfectly. <laughs> reaching final form at some point. Who yeah. knows what the last nickname will be. Tucker Carlson weighed in last night on pretty much everybody losing their shit on both sides of the aisle yeah. um, over the course of uh, the weekend when Donald Trump was having his account reinstated. And then, uh, well, we'll talk about that before we get into if and when there will be a possible return for the 45th president to the platform. Let's hear it. When he asked a really simple question, should we reinstate Donald Trump's Twitter account? He got more than 12 million votes and the yes side won. So immediately, as promised, Elon Musk reinstated Donald Trump's Twitter account. CBS News was highly upset. (laughs) They're for democracy, but not if it means presidential candidates getting to talk in public. So they got off Twitter saying their security was in danger. And then on Face the Nation, which apparently is still a show, they interviewed a completely discredited NYU professor who claimed, buckle your seatbelt now, that the Russians must have hacked the Twitter poll. (laughs) I think these polls are mostly a gimmick. And I would argue the people haven't spoken. The GRU has spoken. These uh, Twitter has become... Russian intelligence, you mean? 100%. Twitter has become a playground for bad actors and fake bots. This poll is meaningless. This decision is meaningless. How can that guy teach you to college? What a crackpot. Like the Russians aren't busy enough. They're in the middle of a war, but they've got time to hack a Twitter poll. (laughs) By the way, maybe they are. He has no evidence whatsoever. Like none. Just kind of throws it out there, makes it up. Major claim against a government. Anchor just rolls with it. At MSNBC, a guest offered this measured take on the whole situation. Watch. I'm absolutely disgusted, but what else do we expect from very white, privileged, cis, Uh hetero men protecting Uh each Uh other because Uh we Uh always mistake Uh wealth and inheritance Uh for genius. Uh So, yay, Uh Elon Uh Musk gets what he wants, his buddy back on the air, in order to finish burning down democracy while he finishes Uh burning down the town Uh square. Mm -hmm. (laughs) white people again. Why is that allowed, by the way? Why can't you just turn on MSNBC? White people, this! Is that okay? Is everyone all right with that? You can just like single out a racial group and attack them because of their skin color? I thought that was wrong. Didn't we have a whole civil rights movement about that? Apparently not. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Hasn't even tweeted yet. And and this is where we're at. And might not. Who knows? Well. I think he will. Yeah, he's going to. All the memes, all the memes are like, uh, like uh, the, 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 the actor from Spider-Man, like taking a picture with somebody at a, at a sports game. And she's just got like a giant rack hanging out of her shirt. And he's trying not to look. And it's like yeah. Donald Trump. And then the Twitter, the Twitter bird is like inner cleavage. Everybody also, yeah. they lost their shit about the, uh, about the meme, the temptation meme. <laughs> yeah, they did. Like Christians, this is me. Like the people on the left, like really? You, you Steve Bannon went on, he went on a, on a tangent. 10-minute tirade, which started with talking shit about that meme and ended with him repeatedly calling Elon Musk a cuck. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, Steve, 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 Steve. We're going to stop you right there. So we're going we're gonna to hold you over the break. Uh, you, you can cuck it out later. Well, a lot of them are big mad, too, because, uh, you know, they want to lump everybody into, like, the same kind of category of, like, should they return to Twitter? And I hear a lot of people, like, making the argument, I'm writing a Substack about it right now, Alex Jones and Donald Trump, like, guys you're talking about literally red pill 101 and everybody's favorite you know conspiracy theory propagandist alex jones right and Mm -hmm. literally the 45th president of the united states like yes all the other donald trump stuff is around him but 
he is the 45th president of the United States. They are not in the same category. Yeah, and, not at all. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just like we all have to not be emotional in every single thing we do. And, and listen, I don't like the fact that Alex Jones isn't going to be allowed on Twitter, according to Elon Musk, at the moment. But will that change? Who knows? Uh, yeah, I agree. It's not the priority. You know, Alex is doing just fine without having Twitter right now. And, and um, Yeah, he should worry about the $3 trillion worth of fines he has to pay for monetizing the Sandy Hook thing. Oof. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's an unreasonable amount of money too. Like, I, know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, clearly, what? they're trying to set an example, you know, through him. I mean, it kind of devalues the whole sticks and stones thing. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, we cannot have those two guys in the same conversation. It makes no, everybody know. look bad. Yeah, um, totally. You know, for totally. as many times as Alex Jones has been right, and for as much of a good job as Donald Trump did as the president, they're not in the same category. They just aren't. You don't like no. that hot take? Tough shit. It's the reality of it. Are they two huge, massive personalities with lots of reach and have done lots of good things? Sure. But when you're just looking at the bare bones, black and white reasons, monetizing Sandy Hook kids getting murdered and Donald Trump being the 45th president of the United States, they're two different things. Yeah, and and Elon made it a point like a few times in the last time he basically, you know, said absolutely not in so many words when he, like he spoke, I don't know if you saw the tweet about him saying about um, he held his his son when he was taking, you yeah. know, I that, and, and that's just a big a virtue single as Alex Jones coming out last week on Infowars right. and saying like, I'm going to take the high road. I'm not mad at Elon Musk for unbanning me. I understand. And he gets it. Listen, everybody's playing their part. Will Alex Jones eventually return to Twitter? Who knows? I think Eileen, like I'm at 51%. Yes. But right for now, whenever, yeah, it's just not the right time. Yeah. Uh, we have so much yeah. other stuff to worry about, but getting back to whether or not Donald Trump will ever return to the platform, there's no better person to weigh in on this than one of our favorite guests. Uh, none other than great friend of the show, Cash Patel, who jumped on Benny Johnson this morning to uh, give us a little insight. Let's hear it. Elon Musk is, is going against his word by doing what? Making it actually free speech friendly? Cash is in the car. I mean, I, I, you know, I would say that the, uh, the one, the memes uh, are flying. Everyone is asking for Donald Trump to tweet. You are once again saying that Donald Trump will never come back to Twitter. You know, okay, I, I guess I've learned in politics, never say never. But mm. I don't, I do not see a, a position in the anytime near future where he comes back, lest it's to say, follow me on Truth Social or something like that. I think he really, I've talked to him extensively about Truth Social, full disclosure, you know, I'm on the board of Truth Social. Yep. So, you know, we've spent time, our team has spent a lot of time building this platform. And as you know, this these things don't happen overnight. No. And thankfully, we're powered by Rumble, another free speech operator. And so for him to just take this company and then say, oh, I'm going to go over to Twitter, I think he sees that as, you know, just not the smart decision. He wanted, after getting banned from Twitter, everyone to have a place to go to. And I think, you know, even though the mainstream media won't report it, Truth Social is a legitimate platform with millions and millions of human beings on there. And Elon Musk just admitted to us yesterday when he put out Trump's reinstatement that there are still many, many bots on Twitter. And that's what we're trying to combat, and I'm glad he's recognizing that. But I think for these reasons, I just don't see, and I talked to the president after the announcement at Mar-a-Lago, you know, in anticipation of having his ban reversed, uh, you know, is he going to come back? And I just don't see it happening. So, never say never. Yep. I, yeah. I, I do speculate if we, we do see Trump tweeting stuff out, it would probably be extremely campaign related. Those Trump's... Mirrored from Truth Social. Exactly. Those Trump Save America uh 
you know, truths that we all have come to know and love have now turned into the Trump 2024 campaign uh, truth posts like the one I read at the top of our cold open from Liz Harrington. And, uh, you know, listen, we, we, we've talked about this over the course of the last couple of weeks, especially since the fallout from the midterm elections. We are really going to have to weaponize all things available to us to make sure that when Donald Trump gets in the thick of this campaign, Every single person that could possibly hear his message hears it, and that includes social media. You might not like it. You might not want it. Cash Patel outlined several legitimate reasons why Donald Trump shouldn't come back, but when you just look at it in black and white, you need to be everywhere, and uh, people shouldn't have to go out and search these candidates, search for someone who's running in a presidential election in the greatest nation in the history of the planet. It should be right at the tip of their fingers, places like Facebook and Instagram, and of course Twitter are places that Donald Trump should be and needs to be uh, moving forward. We'll, we'll get into this, I, I think, and, and a little bit more. I, we definitely want to talk about all things uh, that are going up on Capitol Hill, everything from the midterms to uh, leadership and then the uh, special counsel appointment with one of our great friends, so let's jump into that. Joining us first on the show today is a former congressman from California who chaired the Intelligence Committee. He's the current CEO of Truth Social, one of our great friends. Looking forward to having a great conversation with Mr. Devin Nunes. Thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. It's great to be with you guys. How's everything going with you, sir? How's uh, It's been a busy couple weeks, to say the least. Uh, we want to cover everything, but before we get into that, how's everything going down at Truth Social? Well, look, we continue to grow every day, so that's uh, a positive, you know, even... Uh, with all of the naysayers, uh, every day we have thousands and thousands of people that join our platform, and we've got a very loyal base, and we continue to build out more features. So, you know, we're we're currently right now testing the direct message system, nice, and hopefully we'll be deploying that uh, here. Hopefully by the end of the year, um, it'll all depend on on uh, how quick uh, we can get it approved by Apple. Nice. Well, it, it, hopefully they won't be as uh, grouchy with you guys as they've been with Twitter lately. There's been a lot of developments there. I know you've got no love loss for the uh, application that we all used to frequent, but uh, just outside looking in, seeing some of the chaos that's been going on over at Twitter, what do you think is uh, so, <laughs> someone who's now managing, you know, in, in a position like Elon Musk is, uh, as someone who's, who's got control over, you know, a big application with a lot of people on it and all the responsibilities that go along with it, doesn't seem like it was just going to be all memes and, uh, you know, shitposting when, when he took it over, but uh, it, it's it's been pretty wild over on Twitter the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, Twitter is is a place. It's an echo chamber for blue checkers around the world. It's a PR wire for corporate globalists, Hollywood people, sports figures, politicians, and of course, uh, fake news journalists. And you know, many uh, conservatives had been booted off that platform. Uh, Musk is desperately trying to get them all, all back on. But at the end of the day, it still goes back to when I left Congress to start this company. Normal people aren't on Twitter. It's not a way to build a company and especially not a way to build a $44 billion company. The, where the eyeballs are at right now uh, is uh, on Instagram. And uh, most importantly, I think most in, in I think the cause for the biggest concern would be TikTok. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you just do a sampling of your family or you, you, you know, go through an airport or if you're at a restaurant, just look at what people are looking at and constantly on their phone, it's going to be either Instagram, Instagram or TikTok. Sure. So, you know, we're working on building out our community, our features, 
And, you know, Twitter's going to do what they're going to do. But um, and, and President Trump and I have been very supportive of anyone getting in, getting in there and getting all those woke weirdos out. Mm-hmm. But as we're finding out, you're putting in the world's richest man to run it. So, you know, you're still at the mercy of whatever happens with that company, whether or not he's going to be able to keep it, whether or not he turns it back public again. You know, we don't know, but it's still super important that both True Social and Rumble, we are standing there in the gap because we're not reliant on any of these big tech tyrants that for our, for our database, for example, our, our servers, um, you know, we can run uh, without being canceled. And I think that's the, the big key is that somebody's got to stand in that gap. And slowly as we build more features out, hopefully we can we can get this uh, to a, a platform where we can begin to eat into the Instagram and TikTok user base. That's the goal. Yeah, man, it looks like you guys have done a good job about, you know, just doing that. You know, I, I like to provide you facts. We do a lot of data, breakdown analysis numbers on this show. I'll just give you an example, Devin, of, of some of the stuff that I've seen because a lot of people are saying that, you know, Twitter's been, like, reopened and the algorithms or whatever. So yesterday I put out a Substack. We put out a weekly one. Yesterday I talked about our show's endorsement of President Trump following his announcement last week to uh, run for president again. And uh, on Twitter, we, we posted it on Twitter and True Social at the exact same time, and I wanted to do a little test. After 24 hours, three people liked it, no retweets, 94 people saw it total. True Social, I'm looking at it right now, 24 hours after we posted the same exact article, cut and pasted the same exact narrative above it, and was able to tag Donald Trump on both social media platforms. 243 retroots, 107, uh, well, 1.7 thousand likes. Mm. Same article, same narrative, same tags, and, and there's the big difference. I mean, if you want people to see your content, there's a lot of content creators out there, or just be able to uh, enter into the conversation that you want to have with people who are, you know, maybe debating certain things, you're, you're going to get that freedom to, to have people see it and open up for, you know, the debate and, and what social media should be all about on true social right now, you're still not seeing it on Twitter. Yeah. And, well, well, and remember, well, you know, we have a big uh, differentiation between uh, us and the other platforms, all the other platforms, all the other platforms are using very sophisticated uh algorithms using artificial intelligence that they build up over time and they build up who they want you to see, who you, who they think you want, they want you to see, or they can shadow ban you. So none of that has changed on those other platforms. And, you know, we, we have a simple chronological feed. There is no algorithm. It's just whatever time you post it is when it's going to post. So, you know, a lot of people sometimes on truth will post something in the middle of the night and they'll say, well, I didn't get anybody to see it. Well, it's because nobody was there in the middle of the night. And then, you know, if you follow, like if you follow two or 300 people on truth, you know, chances are, you know, your feed is going to fill up. You're not going to get to see every single post from every single day. And that's because, so it's the advantage of that we have of not using an algorithm, but look, it's also a disadvantage. So it, it can matter like I said, you know, you, you post in the middle of the night, you're probably not going to see it, but for most small content creators, if you're not, if you're, if you're a small content creator to medium size, like you guys, you know, you're, you're going to get lost in the big world of the big tech tyrants with their algorithms. It's just plain and simple. Now, one of the features that we have on our platform is we have a carousel at the top. So we have a feed that is an algorithm. And then we have a carousel at the top that 
is is an algorithm based off of it's very simple it's just based off of who you inter- interact with we're in the process of building out new feature sets for that carousel that will actually it'll actually have we think we're not there yet but the top 100 people that you that 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 you've interacted with and then it'll also have a second 100 of people that have posted that maybe you haven't seen for for a while to try to get more activity for people that maybe post something and, and, you know, every, you know, once a month or once a week um, and maybe a way that, that people can find them. So that's uh, I think one of the advantages that we will have uh, being able to, to utilize that carousel at the top uh, and then the, and then the chronological feed that we will never change. And then of course we're adding direct messaging is coming soon and then groups. So, yeah, I, I mean, look, I, I think that's still going to be the case until they get rid of their algorithms and really change them. It's still going to be easy to get lost over uh, at Twitter and especially on the other platforms. Sure. And, and we, we did a little, you know, study yesterday that just showed just that I do like the carousel feature on top too, being able to hit up some of our favorite accounts on Mm -hmm. every time you log on just to see, you know, Liz Harrington had a, through a heater a couple hours ago in regards to some new poll numbers that came out regarding president Trump. And uh, it was good to jump right in there and see hers. So Devin, we we had the midterms uh, finish up a couple weeks ago. Uh, Some people will say it was disappointing. Others will look at it from more of a data driven uh, standpoint and see that we did make some, some big inroads and have some pretty major victories there. I think across the board, people look for the the top ticket, the ones who were kind of put out there in the national spotlight. But when you look at the the logistics of it, it's someone who's a, a former sitting house member like yourself as well. You probably saw some of the uh, victories that we scored in the midterm elections. But what's what's kind of your grade, uh, you know, in retrospect now coming out from uh, heading into the new year? Well, you're you're not going to like this answer. Uh, but it's the it's just where we are right now is is that you guys talk about being data driven. We at this point cannot make an assessment until all the votes are counted. <laughs> and then the mm-hmm. the the analysts go through and analyze race by race, state by state. So it's really too early to make like any calls about what happened in this last election. Uh, all I can point you to are some some real anomalies. Um, that as of now, the working theory is, is that where they mailed ballots to everyone, Republicans did horribly. Uh-huh. So in the states where they now have Californianized the system, and we saw that in California where we went from a great system 10 years ago to seeing ballots sprinkled out everywhere in, in starting in 16, then on steroids in 18, and then, you know, you know, pure out carpet bombing by 20, where, you know, you go into the DMV, you have to register it to vote. Even if you say you don't want to, they automatically mail you a ballot to your house. So what's happened is the Californization of these other states. Now, right now, it is just a working theory. You have to get all the data, but it does appear like in states where all the votes had to be counted on election day outside of military ballots, Republicans did better in most cases than the polling actually showed the Republicans were going to do, which is, I think, how a lot of us made our assessments, because I had never seen polling like this before in my in my career. Um, I was around for 94, uh, you know, just getting started in, in, in politics, uh, volunteering, working on campaigns, heavily involved in 2010. 
And the numbers that we saw between polling and the types of quality of candidates that we had were off the charts. And you would have thought, I think most people that have been around watching this for a while, I thought minimum, 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 the Republicans were going to get around, you know, at least around the mid 230s. Yeah. Um, I thought that was a minimum. And, and my gut feel was it was going to maybe be somewhere above 240. Um, now, the Senate. So that's that's the House. And so you, you're going to have to break it all down by states, look at anomalies. You also have anomalies within candidates. You know, some candidates imploded in some cases. Some did better. But then you're going to have uh, the Senate, which is a little bit of a different story, uh, because there, unlike the House, where we had, well, every every one of our candidates in the House that I saw was was well financed, well capitalized. In the Senate, that was not the case. In the Senate, uh, you know, there was only four or five races that that mattered, and those candidates were all underfunded. So, you know, you can point fingers, place blame. You, I mean, obviously McConnell's uh, comments were not helpful five or six weeks out from the election. Talk about the quality of candidates. None of that was helpful. But at the end of the day, they didn't have the money. Right. And and I don't understand that. You only had five seats. You know that you need at least 30 to 50 million dollars in each one of those seats at a minimum. Uh, just that should have been funneled over from the from the party apparatus. That didn't happen. So I think you have to look at the House races. You're going to have to look at globally, analyze it race by race, look at the absentee ballot situation. The Senate, I think, is a little bit different story where, you know, there's just not a lot of good excuses for for the comments that were made and and candidates that were un that were underfunded or or in some cases not funded. Right. Yeah, that's definitely one of the issues we saw on track the entirety of the midterm election cycle, the money that was either being taken out of races and directed elsewhere or just ones that were kind of left out to dry. And they're like, well, you know, Peter Thiel backs Blake Masters, so he should pay for his campaign. Or, you know, people that were really taking absurd takes saying that if Donald Trump wants to go around endorsing everybody, he should pay for all their campaigns. It's like Donald Trump, the private citizen, probably put more time, effort, money, FaceTime, you name it, into this midterm election cycle than anybody at the top of the establishment GOP leader in Washington, D.C. did. I'm talking about Ron McDaniel, Kevin McCarthy, and then Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, and and they, they just wanted more. And then he was the first person to look and go blame after you see his endorsement record throughout the course of the midterm elections was well over 200 wins. Um, and like I said, falling back on the maybe like the five Senate seats or one or two governor candidates, the higher profile races that got force fed to everybody on the cable news every night may have not crossed over the finish line. But when you look at all the other people who did and, and the analysis that goes into endorsing these people and making sure that they're the right fits for America first, uh, that, that says a lot to, to President Trump's endorsement record and all the work he put in over the course of the election season. Yeah, well, and, and you have the, the RNC and the Senate committee and even the congressional committee that most of their money was raised uh, by using President Trump. Yep. So yep. they would say, President Trump wants you to support, you know, the RNC, and then people would give money. I would guess that 99% of the dollars or more uh, came uh, through President Trump one way or another. Now, in the House, uh, I will say, the Congressional Leadership Fund, which is an outside group that's set up that is supported by the Republican leadership, they did go out and raise a lot of money on their own. They raised, uh, they, they did a good job, and that's why. I mean, they were they were they had races 
I mean, they funded uh, at the end of the day, I'm guessing somewhere around 50 to 60 races. So I think you have to be, I think those are just important points. I think the house guys uh, did a, a, a really good job in terms of candidate recruitment, raising their own money. Obviously president Trump did, did help there versus the RNC and the Senate. Now at the end of the day, everybody says, well, they all, they all take some blame, but I mean, look, if I was a house candidate out there running for office and I was doing a good job, I got fully funded. If I was a Senate candidate, I got crapped on and didn't, you know, and, and, and didn't get money or got a minimal amount of money. And I would say the same is true. I think the gubernatorial races, the same is also true where you didn't see the gubernatorial candidates in the big states, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Arizona, uh, they were largely uh, un, unfunded or, or at least underfunded and, you know, outspent, you know, 10, 20, 30 to one. And those are tough odds to to come back from. And so, you know, a post election analysis is going to be very, very important. And, you know, I think the main thing now is, is that the Republicans have the majority in the House. They need to move quickly. Not uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, the leadership races and and, you know, from my perspective, you know, it's done, right? Kevin McCarthy got has the votes, majority of the caucus. And, you know, there's, you know, any time spent, you're going to just continue to damage, you know, what needs to already be done in terms of the investigations, legislative proposals that have to roll out and beefing up for 2024 because candidate recruitment starts right now. And if you have, you know, some debacle and shenanigans going on with leadership races, um, I think it, it's a, it's a real distraction. And, you know, at this point, you know, I don't see, you know, and like I said, from my perspective, um, I thought the house guys, you know, did a, did a very good job in total. Well, they have made gains over the course of the last two elections, and uh, those are usually things that don't come pretty easily in the House of Representatives. We like to remind everybody how many times Republicans have controlled the House of Representatives. You know, in the last 60 years, it's been four times, and uh, it's usually taken pretty big events. Uh, the state of the nation right now would probably, in my opinion, signify as a big event, and I think House Republicans did uh, probably the best job out of all the groups mentioned, uh, like you said, in, in making sure that uh, power came back to the Republican side. And just, it, just this day of age, it's not something that's super common. I think we get a little bit uh, lazy sometimes, always referring back to what happened, you know, in the Republican House after President Trump was reelected. And now a short time after that, we already have another Republican House coming in in January. So but they are few and far between and usually some of the hardest fought battles in all of the uh, election cycles, period. So I I do like your take there. Uh, One one question I want to ask you about Republican leadership, and it it may not be something that you're too focused on. But, you know, we've seen Lee Zeldin over the course of the last couple of days all but announce the fact that he wants to maybe get into. Uh, you know, contention for leadership at the uh, for the Republican chair. Does that do you think that you know he has the ability to uh, get in there and shake things up, or do you think it's just maybe trying to urge the leadership that's already in there to uh, you know work a little bit harder to support the candidates, whether or not they might identify with them in uh, regards to policy or who endorses them? Well, uh, Lee Zeldin uh, is a is a good friend of mine. Yeah. I've worked closely with him for many many years. And if he wants to run to chair the Republican National Committee, uh, I, I just there's no doubt in my mind that he would be a, a phenomenal. Uh, not only a, he's a phenomenal candidate, obviously, but I think his ability to to run races, win races, 
run, you know, in really tough districts like he did. Yeah. Not only when he was a congressman, but then of course, you know, keeping that a lot of people say, well, he lost the New York governor's race. Well, in reality, um, that was always going to be a tough race. I thought if, if he could get within six to 10 points, that was going to be a good day. And, you know, I think, I don't know what the final number was, but five or six points. Yep. And he ended up pulling, you know, three Republican house members over the line that in other States that wasn't done. So uh, not only is he formidable, but he's super talented. And if he wants to run, I think the, obviously everybody has an opportunity to run. I don't have anything against Rona McDaniel, but I think he would make a very good consensus candidate. Um, he's a serious guy with a great track record. I, you know, I know him well and I trust him and, and he would do a phenomenal job if he wants to do it. I mean, look, he's been in politics a while now too. Maybe he doesn't want to want to be in politics, but if he does want to be in politics, that would be a great place for him to be. We think so as well. And uh, we'll be looking to track on maybe that announcement coming out at some point next week if he does decide to do that. I think one of the biggest uh, awesome announcements that's come out lately was the one that happened at Mar-a-Lago this past Tuesday, and that was President Trump announcing that he's, uh, you know, reopening up his campaign to become president of the United States. Uh, Very exciting event. We had a lot of friends there in the front row, uh, you know, taking pictures, sending us videos, and then obviously we all tracked it on on television. How... uh, do you feel the announcement went down? Uh, we saw a little bit different of a President Trump. I, I, I like the fact that he came off. Not, he still had his jokes and he still had his jabs at people. But at the same time, he's like a little bit more stately, uh, you know, like, OK, everybody's going to come at me with saying they're either like a different version of MAGA or America first isn't the way to go. But here's the receipts. I've done this. I've been there. I walked into North Korea. I helped broker the Abraham Accords. I sealed our southern border. I pushed back on international crime. You know, I brought the inflation rate down and made the economy explode. So whatever you want to come at me with, you can, you know, bounce off my receipts because that's pretty much where I was at. What did you feel watching the, uh, President Trump make the announcement from Mar-a-Lago? Well, look, I was one of those lucky guys to be right in the front row. And uh, look, he's uh, he is a once in a lifetime figure, maybe once in a century figure. Yeah, there has not been a movement like this uh, that's that's been around in in multiple generations. Um, you know, to to be able to see someone who left office went out like we talked about earlier, 99% of the money that was raised was because of him went out and recruited candidates uh, all over the country, did everything he could do, uh, you know, as a former president to help us win. And then if you look at it, look at the other former presidents, you know, who, who, you know, have, have barely helped if, if anything, including our presidential candidates and, and others. So look, the, the Democrats, hate president Trump. And a lot of people think they hate him because of, Oh, he used to send out some mean tweets or he said some bad things. It's not why they hate him. They hate him because he is dangerous for the left because he is able to grow the party. He was able to go into States like Ohio, like Pennsylvania, like Wisconsin, like Michigan, even Minnesota, even though they didn't win it, but that rust belt, Yep. because at the end of the day, there's there's a lot of things that the, that the president believes in, but I think he doesn't believe in nothing more than this. And that is that too many jobs have left America. It harmed a lot of suburbs and smaller communities all over that Rust Belt. And we're now reliant on other countries, especially China, for a, a majority of what runs through our economy. That's first and foremost. Second, 
You know, he understands the need to be energy independent. Clearly, that's not what the Democrats, the socialists want to do. So those are two big points that, by the way, he doesn't shy away from. He's always been for them from the time he came down the escalators in 2015. And the only difference is, is he can go anywhere and get tens of thousands of people to show up, which we have never had that uh, in the Republican Party for a very long time. And, and, you know, look, you would have to go back to the, you know, before the before television um, and before and before well before the Internet to even see anything that's close to this. And look, and, and for that, you have to rely on the history books, which, you know, who knows how accurate those are. But you know, it would probably be something like uh, Teddy Roosevelt and yeah. the movement that he had in his first run uh, for president. Then, of course, you know, he went and started his own his own party. Uh, but but that would be maybe be the only thing that's comparable. So that's why that's why I laugh about the never Trump and all these Republicans are out there saying whining and hand wringing. Say, oh well, look look at all these stories. Look at this mean tweets and all this stuff. It's like, yeah, you morons. It's because those two pillars of his platform is what turns tens of thousands of people out because he's speaking directly to him. And by the way, he's the only one that broke that wall after we lost consecutive election after consecutive election. He broke through that wall. We won those tough states in the Rust Belt that you need to win if you're going to become president of the United States. And so all of these other people that are out there that, that want to run, a lot of them I know, a lot of them are friends of mine, but they can't do that No, and they don't have a track record to do it. So I think what president Trump has been saying for the last, you know, couple years, at least, at least the last year has been very clearly that, that he wants to support as many America first candidates as possible. He wants to keep his agenda out there. And if he's healthy, he's going to run. And I think what you can see is that his health is amazing. Uh, He looks really, really good. He looks really uh, formidable. And I think that would have been the only thing that would have kept him, out of running was it if he had some kind of, of, of health issue at all, but he's look, he's very youthful mm-hmm. and uh, he's very strong and he's, and he's very active and, and he's going to, and look, he's going to run and there's a lot of excitement. I mean, you've got the, the MAGA movement or the ultra MAGA, MAGA movement, whatever the, the, the left wants to call it. There's a reason they're trying to do this is because they're scared to death. Uh, of this movement because it's reinvigorated the Republican party on a very simple platform of jobs, jobs, and jobs. Right. I mean, that's what it amounts to lower, lower energy prices, more jobs in America means more for families around the country. And you see what the socialist now almost communist party has done, you know, just completely corrupted, you know, from the corruption of the department of justice, continued corruption and, and politicalization of that, uh, to their, you know, all their green BS, none of it works and it's going to get worse. And, and that's why you see the red states are getting redder uh, and the blue states are getting bluer because people in the red states uh, and the blue states are fleeing to red states by the thousands. I mean, you know, it's in some cases it's thousands a day yep. are moving to places like Texas and Tennessee and Florida. Oh, well, you make some excellent points there. And uh, when you talk about the, you know, 
opponents who are or taking pot shots at President Trump now. They just don't have, you know, that star power. And they again, they don't have the receipts. We talk about all the things he was good for the economy, probably the best trade deal president in the history uh, of modern politics, if not ever in the United States as well. Uh, the Biden administration was so excited about President Trump's announcement, they didn't even wait 24 hours before they appointed a new special counsel. Congressman, last thing I want to touch with you on today, outside looking in, someone who on the Intelligence Committee who saw all this kind of stuff, you know, you saw the DOJ changing over time. Time, the FBI changing over time. You've talked with us about it on the show. Now to see, you know, Jack Smith, who who is one of the instigators and and, and initiators of the IRS probe from the Obama administration, uh, come in to lead a special counsel into probings of Donald Trump. No real specific anything. It's just kind of a let's see how many darts we could throw at the board between now and the presidential primary uh, in 2024, and see how much of a dark cloud we could hang over his campaign. What do you think about the whole situation? This started back in 15 and 16 with the Justice Department being weaponized by the Obama administration. It's never stopped. Obviously, Democrats in Congress put that on steroids. He survived all sorts of of investigations, phony investigations, phony accusations. And this is more of the same. What happened at Mar-a-Lago a a few months ago is unprecedented. Now you see the full politicization of the Justice Department right and full view. And now I think the question that Republican leaders in Congress will have is, are they going to stand up to the tyranny? There is no justification for this. There's no basis for this. You have investigated this man and his family since 2015, and it's enough. It's nonsense. You know, I left Congress uh, a little, you know, what, 10, 10, 11 months ago, and I came into a situation where you know, we have a private company, startup, creating a social media platform. Uh, before I got there, they had announced a merger, typical financing deal, going through all the normal procedures. And even that, even though that doesn't have anything to do with President Trump directly, you know, even that whole SPAC, that whole financing arm, is being completely investigated on multiple fronts. Mm-hmm. Never before hap- never happened. This has never happened like this with just multiple investigations just on a simple company, a simple SPAC that, that thousands of Americans have put their money into with the hopes of ultimately merging with our private company. So they will weaponize the Justice Department. They will weaponize the, the SEC. They will weaponize every bureaucracy within this government. And why? Why are they doing it? Because they're not worried about anyone but President Trump. They, you know, they claim to say they throw poll after poll to the left. Trump's never going to win. Trump's the worst. Trump. Well, if that's true, then why is the left teaming up with Never Trump and Republicans who want to run for Congress and a bunch of business guys who don't like his policies? If Trump is so bad and he's so terrible and he's never going to win, why don't you guys just get out of the way and just let them run? Let them build, let me build a company like we're trying to do. Let President Trump just go out and run, stop all the investigations of his family. It's because you can't beat him fairly. That's why they can't beat him on the issues. So they have to corrupt the government. And look, if there was such a thing as a fourth world government, that's what we're getting down to. Some states, and I would put California uh, in that, my home state are getting to the point of beyond a third world country. Um, You know, just um, a month ago before the election, you have Newsom running around. I'm just making this one data point for you guys, just to put it in perspective. Newsom is running around 
I'm the best governor, you know, and hinting that he's going to run for president because everybody's assuming that, that Biden's going to flame out and not be able to run. And he's running around bragging about nobody has a hundred billion dollar deficit or a hundred billion dollar surplus like me. I'm the, like, I'm the place you should move to California. Remember he's running ads in Texas and Florida and lo and behold, what happens a few days after the election? Oh, there is no budget surplus. There's actually a 30 billion dollar budget deficit. Oops. That's the type of crap that's happening where they manipulate numbers, they manipulate the bureaucracy, they own the fake media, they own all the social media companies except, you know, arguably outside of us and Rumble, you can now maybe say that Twitter's trying to fix itself. We'll see if they can. And they push that all out. And so now all of these voters in California went out, you know, voted for the Democrats like they always do. And wow, they go from a hundred billion dollar surplus to a $30 billion deficit. Oh, what, what, what happened? I mean, it's total corruption. And you will see that as we started this podcast. So you will see that just get worse and worse and worse. Like you've seen in these big cities, like you've seen in uh, the big blue States, it's just going to continue to get worse. I don't like it. I don't want it, but those are the facts. Red States will get redder and the blue States are a disaster. No, they certainly are. And no one points it out as good as you do every time we come on and uh, sit down with you, Congressman. We, we really enjoy the fact that you take so much time out of your ridiculously busy schedule, and it is busy between all the travel and running Truth Social. Uh, you, you know, you stay in the know with all things politics. You always talk about how almost everybody we bring up on the show has is, is, is been one of your friends or coworkers over time, and then you just bring a narrative that really kind of unpacks it for our listenership, and we really appreciate you guys. Matthias taking the time to uh, help schedule you and get you on the show uh, as many times as you've been on, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. For everyone that's not tracking you on Truth Social, I know you got a pretty hard, difficult handle to find. Uh, we're going to live link it in the show description today for all the slow learners, but uh, you want to tell everybody where they can see you at. It's a very creative name, at Devin Nunes. So that. hopefully you can find it. This guy is an in innovator right here. Two plus two is always four. Only on steak for breakfast. The former <laughs> congressman from California, the current CEO of True Social. Congressman Nunes, thanks for coming back on with us and have a great Thanksgiving. Hey, same to you guys. I appreciate it. We keep losing and losing and losing. And the fact of the matter is the reason we're losing is because Donald Trump has put himself before everybody else. Oh. And I understand and believe in so many of the policies that were able to be accomplished during those four years. I mourn what more could have been done. And let's remember this, everything that has happened in the last two years is because we lost that election. Everything that has happened in this country. Well, mm. former disgraced governor and failed presidential candidate, Chris Christie, Roy Rogers enjoyer. Um, well, putting it all out there on the stage at the, uh, conservative Jewish coalition event that was held uh, over the weekend. It's a big event. A lot of presidential hopefuls were there. Um, everything from people that have no chance like Larry Hogan and Chris Christie all the way up to, you know, people who were in the former Trump administration like Mike Pence. Um, Ron DeSantis was there. Nikki Haley. We'll be bringing you some of the highlights in our News 1. Uh, but, yeah, it's like Congressman Nunes just alluded to. 
uh, people that are going up there and, and wasting their time and everybody else's time taking shots at Donald Trump for the successes that he has and then saying that they've got a way to do it better, even though he was disgracefully removed from that administration for all the damage he did uh, from the transition all the way up through the first year of the Trump administration, speaks for itself. I just think that uh, there's no place for it. And uh, if that's the platform he's going to run on, he'll be anywhere at less than 2% nationally. Oh, yeah. So, and, and he's just one of those guys. He's like a human shield uh, yeah. for some of the other candidates that they want to protect and, uh, you know, redirect you from because of where they're at in regards to that narrative. Uh, Texas Senator Ted Cruz was there, already pretty much alluded to him not running for president in 2024. But, uh, you know, they like I said, they did have a lot of the big guns in conservative politics there. And he was talking about congressional Republicans and how they've kind of folded over the course of the last two years and where he thinks they should go from here. Let's hear him. As you know, this past week, we had a leadership battle in the United States Senate. First time it's happened in 16 years of Mitch McConnell being leader. I stood up and made a motion to delay the election until after December 6th, after the Georgia runoff, because Herschel Walker, I think, deserved a say in our leadership. But the even bigger reason is we need a real debate about how are we going to lead during the next two years with a minority in the Senate. And the question that I posed Mitch McConnell and our leadership was very simple. Is there anything on which we are willing to fight? I stood in front of the conference and I said, listen, I've traveled all over the country, I'll tell you. People are dispirited and demoralized because they say Republicans in the Senate don't fight. And there's a reason for that, which is that Republicans in the Senate don't fight. Mm. Ouch. And I said, look, I'm not saying fight on everything. If you fight on a thousand things, you're not fighting on anything. I'm saying pick two or three or four things that matter and say we believe in it. You look at the last two years. The Senate has passed over and over again bills supported by every Democrat, 100% of the Democrats, and 10 to 12 Republicans. Yep. By the way, the D's never do that. When we had the majority, there are no bills passed with all the Republicans and 10 or 12 Democrats. They actually believe in the crazy stuff they say. And they're willing to stand up and fight on it. And so I asked our leadership, I said, is there anything? How about the soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines that Joe Biden is right now firing because they chose not to get a COVID vaccine? How about we say, we're going to stand up and fight for those American heroes and not throw them out of the military? And to stand and fight means using the levers you have to force that fight. Or how about next year? We stand together and fight and say, under no circumstances are we going to fund the 87,000 new IRS agents to harass the American people. I like it. And we're going to take that money and we're going to put it on our southern border. Mm, I like that even more. We need to fight. Look, why do the Democrats do better than, than expected? A big part of the reason is they went hard left, they energized their base, they governed as left-wing lunatics, and their voters rewarded them by showing up in big numbers. 
We need to behave like we believe what we're saying, and that means having the guts to stand and fight. Excellent point there by Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. I definitely think he was one of the uh, 11 no-confidence votes in the leadership uh, poll that took place in up on Capitol Hill last week when, when 11 senators voted not to have Mitch McConnell as the leader next year. And, uh, you know, he, yeah. ma- he makes some good points. Yeah. Uh, and, and even when you, you look at it bill passing-wise, listen, when Republicans are trying to stop a Biden bill, you got to whip mansion or cinema. That's it. There's, there's no in-between. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whenever they want to pass something, the Mitch McConnell wing, John Thune and all their friends, they jump right into that and, and, and vote with the Democrats. COVID relief, the fake infrastructure bill, the Inflation Non-Reduction Act. But uh, when the Republicans had control of the Senate before they lost it in 2018, we never saw things like that for Donald Trump. There was Republicans jumping ship and left and right every time Donald Trump proposed something. That's why we shut down the government for the fucking border wall, mm-hmm. which consequently enough made it up to 33 even today after Joe Biden appropriated almost 5 million more to the worst war zone in the history of war zones. They still hanging out on the beach or is it too cold now? <laughs> you know what? I don't know how the seasons go there. I, I, I don't care about it enough, but I feel your pain. Um, I speculate that one of the only reasons Chris Christie threw his weight around in the fashion he did when he was up on stage is because Donald Trump would be uh, video conferencing in to the event and, and sat down with a panel before he was on the main stage. Let's hear some of that talking about social media and more. Uh, Mr. President, I want to pivot a little bit to uh, current events as in happening in real time. I don't know if you've been following. Uh, Twitter is blowing up today. Elon Musk posted a poll uh, that had over 13 million respondents so far asking whether or not you should be reinstated uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think about uh, Elon Musk buying Twitter? And if you are reinstated, will we see you back on Twitter again? Well, I like that he bought it. I've always liked him. I got along with him very well uh, during my days as president, and I got to know him pretty well. Uh, but I do like him. I've, I've always really, you know, he's a, he's a character, and uh, I tend to like characters, but he's smart. Uh, he did put up a poll, and I hear it's very overwhelming, very strong. But I have something called Trump. If you look, it's Trump-owned, but it's, uh, it's really fantastic truth social. And Truth Social uh, is, is through the roof. It's doing phenomenally well. The press hates to talk about it, but it's doing phenomenally well. I think engagement is much better than it is with Twitter. Fact check, true. And it's uh, taking care of voices that really want to be taken care of, and really smart voices, brilliant voices, voices that in many cases are both sides. But I can tell you there's a lot of voice for Israel, a lot of power for Israel in Truth Social. So... Truth Social has been very, very powerful, very, very strong. And I'll be staying there, but I hear we're getting a big vote to also go back on Twitter. Uh, I, I don't see it because I don't see any reason for it. Uh, they have a lot of problems at Twitter. You see what's going on. It may make it. It may not make it. But I, the <laughs> problems are incredible. Uh, the engagements are negative. And you have a lot of bots and you have a lot of fake accounts, which I think they should get on. But Truth Social has taken the place for a lot of people, and I don't see them going back onto Twitter. I mean, what can you think? I mean, in a perfect world, Twitter would just wither and die, and Truth Social would be supreme, I guess. But, I mean, as long as Twitter still exists, 
it needs to be harnessed. Yeah, it certainly does. I know Antoinette feels the same. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's just interesting to see. And it's like they're just getting to launch, you know, some new features that are going to make it a little bit more comprehensive of an app and not just kind of a timeline with the carousel like they have now. I think direct messaging in groups is going to be huge. It's one of the biggest, uh, you know, the Republican High Council and election Twitter. You know, they survive in groups and, and DMs. So, and they've got a lot of influence when it comes to, you know, navigating the timeline. So I saw um, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was there as well. Didn't really care about much of his platform because it's all part of the, you know, Trump legacy. But he did joke about uh, teasing a potential run in 2024. Let's hear him right before he cuts from the stage. Uh, it's good to see you. It's great to be a warm-up act tonight. <laughs> Who knows, the next time we're together, we could be on a stage, multiple podiums. Who knows who else might be with us? Yeah, who knows? And, uh, and, and, and who, who knows who will between us? And who knows what nicknames we might have? It's, uh, yeah. it, is, uh, it, it is great fun to be with so many uh, friends. Well, he knows it's coming. Mm-hmm. I wonder what nickname he's going to have for Pompeo. <laughs> mm. He's lost a lot of weight, so I think he's going to direct all the, the fat jokes at Chris Christie, obviously. Oh, yeah. You think he's been preparing for this after 2020? Is like, there any, a, like a Rocky montage of him any, preparing? Uh, is there yeah, anybody exactly. who doesn't think he's been preparing for this? Um, <laughs> no. Getting a little nip and tuck here now. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it really is to think that we're a year away from that whole scenario. Uh, and I mean, we're going to get, listen, we're going to fly right through the holidays right now. No. I tell you what, it's it's Thanksgiving week here on Thanks for. Did he lose a lot of weight? Maybe be like saggy skin Pompeo. He does have That's kind of. The, yeah. talk. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, we all. Oh, turkey neck be, you know. Holiday appropriate. Stress eater is confirmed. Mm. Uh, Amanda Milius gave us those receipts. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's going to be February before we know it. And then we're going to be talking about when they're going to be lining up, you know, campaign events and Iowa straw polls and then debates. So it's going to be flying by. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, fresh off his huge election victory in uh, Florida to retain the governorship there, was the uh, second to last speaker before President Trump. And, uh you know, had a message for the crowd in, in regards to everything going on in Florida. Let's hear him. In times like these, there is no substitute for victory. We in Florida are the light. Freedom will reign supreme with Florida leading the way. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support. We've accomplished more over a four-year period than anybody thought possible. But I can tell you this, we've got a lot more to do, and I have only begun to fight. Thank you all. God bless you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much. You know, yeah, he, he, yeah, it's just, it's really hard for me. I can't see it. I just can't see it. I mean, I know there were some people, listen, yeah, just just candidacy uh, at the very least. I think he's I think he's toying with the media, and I think President Trump. Well, it, it, he's got political capital, and he's using it to his advantage. I think uh, much at the behest yeah. of the people that are prodding him to do it. No, obviously, I, yeah, that's we know that, but 
I don't see it either. And I think that he's just toying with the whole, you know, what media is saying and, oh, and just everything was, in general. I, I just don't see him not being the governor and, and running now. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 I'd be really surprised to be fair. I, I would be surprised. I know a lot of people wouldn't because of the media narrative and how they're trying to push DeSantis, you know, to push Trump out basically. Yeah. But I just don't. Well, so many people have pointed it out. smarter than that. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, that everybody from great friends, Raheem Kassam, two weeks ago to Devin Nunes today. Uh, no one can win in the Rust Belt except Donald Trump. He's the only anomaly that's that's won there. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's there's other parts of the country where people are going to be strong, maybe even close to as strong as President Trump. But I just, you know, it, it, to me, it's like, listen, let's just challenge our listenership. I really do feel like we organically wished into existence lee zeldin challenging ronna mcdaniel for the head of the rnc chair that was like definitely wish casting on twitter like two weeks ago now you have lee zeldin all but announcing his candidacy on twitter today which i do feel might come as early as next week uh because you know those votes are going to be coming uh pretty soon and we're getting ready to head into the holiday season so why don't we just do that i saw wouldn't hate it attorney general ron sant ron DeSantis. Yeah, that'd be cool. Go out and completely gut the Justice Department. And we're not taking anything away from a future potential Matt Whitaker return to the attorney general role because we feel like he's going to be involved in the next Trump administration. But listen, things that just make more sense logistically, it it, it solves two problems with one stone. It also unifies the ticket and the party. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Um, Former, soon to be former governor. Donald Trump has referred to him as ugly and pig-faced. Mm. <laughs> Larry Hogan of Maryland was there, too, as a potential 2024 hopeful. He also doesn't think that Ron DeSantis wants the Trump smoke. Let's hear him weigh in on it. I think uh, Ron DeSantis uh, had a big win uh, in Florida last week, and the state's becoming very red. He's certainly one of the voices. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be a candidate. Uh, he just got, hasn't quite start, got sworn in for a second term. He's a young guy. Does he want to take on Trump? I'm not sure. I know that's most of the media is focused on that. Uh, but again, you know, six months is an eternity in politics. And uh, I can tell you in almost every race I've ever seen, the, the guy that comes out of the box first that everybody's talking about two years out is almost never the nominee. Mm. So shots at both of them. I think he's just trying to clear the path a little bit, maybe kind of dismiss Ron DeSantis so his national average will go from like 0.5 to possibly little bit less than one percent he gets that one next to his name when he, <laughs> when he finally gets out there but i mean larry hogan has zero percent negative percent chance of of ever being president or the nominee or anything even close he won't be a top 10 candidate in the 2024 uh presidential election cycle and i just think that you know but but he does kind of sneak a little truth in there between those jabs which is saying like i just don't i don't think he wants to go toe-to-toe with trump and, yeah. um, you know, the damage it does politically is something that you can't dismiss as something that, you know, uh, Ron DeSantis really knows what will happen if he gets in the arena with Donald Trump. It's it's ugly and it's mean. I mean, no one's safe. You, you know, you want to start have Donald Trump making talking shit about Ron DeSantis's wife being sick and stuff like that. I mean, he didn't give a shit about yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah, right. like he, Ted Cruz's <laughs> wife had fat surgery, and Donald Trump was bringing that up. So, oh so yeah, he gets so petty. It's it's hilarious, but I, I it'd be bad to see him do that to DeSantis. Oh, we want that ticket unified. We want the party unified. Yeah. We we we. There's a much easier solution to 270 with them together than there is apart. 
And it's going to be up to, you know, the two men by themselves to make that decision. Donald Trump has already made it to see whether or not we can get there uh, in 2024. Coming out of that and going into a little commentary on it over the course of the weekends, I saw kind of like both ends of it. One of the ones that caught my eye the most was former disgraced Speaker of the House and never Trumper Paul Ryan, one of the people who's instigating all of these non-MAGA candidates to get into the ring for 2024. He sat down on fake news ABC uh, to talk about it and, well, kind of realign where he's at. Let's hear it. That's the point. He can get his people through the primaries, but they can't win general elections. So what? it's really clear. I think the Republican voter is going to move on. That's why I don't think he ends up winning the, the nomination at the end of the day. Mm. I think we have a great stable of good, capable conservatives who are more than capable of winning this primary for presidency and winning the election. And I think Republican voters know that. So that's why I think our voters um, ultimately who really want to win are going to are going to give us candidates who can win. What will it mean to the Republican Party if he actually wins the nomination? again? We probably likely lose the White House. We just did in 20. So I think we probably lose the White House with Trump. And if there's someone not named Trump, my guess is we win the White House. But but if I'm saying if he wins the general election, if he becomes president again, I mean, the way Liz Cheney has put it, it's like an existential threat to the country. I just don't think he's going to. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think he'll win. He's just I think unelectable. That, I think he's unelectable because that suburban voter, you think he's more popular since the 20 election with the swing voter in America or less? No evidence of that at all. Yeah. But he does seem to have a hold ABC, on a ABC good News chunk of the task. Republican yeah. Party. Whether or not it's a majority, uh, we'll see. That's right. Uh, but I think I think he's going to continue to lose altitude because we want to win. And we know with him we lose. We have a string of losses to prove that point. And there are a lot of really good, capable conservatives who people, I think, like uh, that are more than capable of not only being good conservatives in office but can win elections. As you know, the fear that Republicans have had, and this goes back to 2015 when he first announced... The fear that they have is that Donald Trump loses the primary, but then marches across the street and declares he's an independent candidate. Then he gives the left the country, and I think he would not want to be blamed for doing that. So you think that he has the ability but who, what to... Do I, what do I, look, yeah. I don't I mean, talk to, to him, so to, I don't know what's to, going on in his yeah. mind. Look, here's how... I, I was not an ever-Trumper. Uh, you worked sort of with him as speaker. I, mean, I, worked, yeah, yeah. I, I, was, I, I governed with him, and I'm very proud of those days. I'm proud... Yeah of the accomplishments of the tax reform, the deregulation of criminal justice reform. I'm really excited about the judges we got on the bench, not just the Supreme Court, but throughout the judiciary. But I am a never again Trumper. Why? Because I want to win. And we lose with Trump. It was really clear to us in 18, in 20, and now in 2022. Uh, Well, Mm. there's that. Mm. Awful. I mean, just... Even when ABC News was showing that Donald Trump has no, has not slowed down at all. I mean, 74, almost 75 million votes in the 2020 election. Most of any sitting Republican president ever. Probably most votes in the history of all presidential elections when you kind of peel back the layers and figure out how fucking Sleepy McSleeperson got to 81 million votes. Uh, you go on Twitter, for God's sake, and, and, and see, like... <laughs> This whole bullshit narrative of like losing, we lose with Trump. I mean, come on, man. These people are trying so hard, but you know, in the end, it exposes all these rhinos, neocons, these fake ass, you know, GOP for you know on the right. And they miss they miss losing the House. They miss having a small majority in the Senate, and mm-hmm. they miss passing some bullshit tax break for most people and. 
saying that they're working really hard on fixing the immigration system and they're going to fight Obamacare again. They don't care about any of the other stuff. Meanwhile, places like, you know, Russia and China, Iran and Venezuela are thriving right now uh, in regards to their geopolitical presence. Uh, leadership all over the, the world continues to fail on almost a regular basis, um, you know, and, and there's no answers for it. Stock markets fucking absolutely decimated the southern borders, completely wide open. The drugs are pouring in everywhere, and so is the crime and bodies. And, you know, these people just want to make excuses for, I mean, it got to the point where he was, like, trying to give him stats, and Paul Ryan's like, yeah, but I'm not with him. Yeah, but I'm not. Yeah, but I don't talk to him. Yeah, but I don't want him. We, we lose. We lose. We lose. Yeah. It's just like, okay, but how? Where, where's the statistical data that backs up that argument? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's not it's not you guys not helping these candidates. He even they bragged about, you know, he could get people over the over the finish line in the primaries, but then they have a hard time winning in the general election. Everybody knows why. You guys defunded all of their candidates and you demonize them so much in the primary. You make Republican voters feel like shit going to the ballot box and voting for them. Yep. So it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we just have to take it with a grain of salt, knowing that this is one of the major players behind the scenes that are pulling the strings to delegitimize, delegitimize everything Trump. And, and moving forward, I don't see him, uh, you know, doing anything that's going to uh, change that, even if Donald Trump, well, when Donald Trump wins the nominee. Um, the other side of the coin, though, Raheem Kassam, I saw him last night on, uh, he jumped on with Dr. Gina on Real America's Voice and was talking about some of the stuff, you know, coming out of the uh, Republican Jewish Coalition Conference in Las Vegas. And then, you know, some of the other things moving forward, especially regarding like House leadership and Kevin McCarthy. Let's hear him. Firstly, just in response to, to Paul Ryan there, how come how come every time these people uh, who, who are classically never Trumpers, regardless of whether Paul Ryan wanted to use and leverage President Trump to get his way, how come every time it's Trump's fault? How come they don't go back to 18 and 20 and mm-hmm. 22 and look around the playing field, look at the way elections are being conducted in this country, look at the way McLeadership is running these elections, where they're spending money? No, for Ryan, it's very simple. It's Trump. But Gina, you and I, we, we came together after the midterm elections, and, and you and I had a theory of our own. And sure enough, this poll uh, that we have sponsored, thanks to the uh, generosity and time of Rasmussen Reports, uh, bears that out. See, it's been a full couple of weeks now of barrage, barrage, barrage. It's Trump's fault, Trump's fault, Trump's fault. And yet, Republican and conservative voters saying, no, actually, we know what the real problem is here. We know that the RNC is not being run properly. We know our donations are not being used properly. We know the leadership in the House and the leadership in the Senate are responsible for the losses up and down the country or all the disappointing results that they saw up and down the country. However you wish to look at it, what Republican and conservative likely voters, per this Rasmussen poll, are saying is, it ain't Trump, Kevin McCarthy, it's you. And I think we've got to take that very seriously. I like this, obviously, because one, it proves me right. I like all things that prove me right. Mm. But number two, <laughs> I like it because it really shows us who the never Trumpers are aligning with here. So for everybody that's told you, ladies and gentlemen, of the audience for the last couple of weeks that, oh, it can't be Trump. He's got to go. He's tired. He's old. He's a loser, blah, blah, blah. For everybody that's told you that, think about who they align with in this poll. 43% said it was the McLeadership. But if you look at the liberals in this poll, 
46% of the Liberals blamed Trump for the weak GOP performance in the midterm. So you can pick your sides, you can choose who to align with, but it's very clear that the likes of National Review are siding once again with the left. Mm-hmm. Excellent point there. A lot of the things that we normally point out on the show, but put in a way that only Mr. Raheem Kassam can... Uh, you know, do it. And, and you know, moving forward, it's going to kind of slow down a little bit for the next couple of days in, in regards to, you know, Thanksgiving being on Thursday and, and whatnot. But we'll see who's out. You know, they're all selling books. They're all kind of making their opening pitches. And, and, and they know that the kind of the TV news cycle is going to be wide open. So we, you got to catch them on Fox News and Newsmax and then jumping on some of the fake news ones. We, we know Chris Christie is a MSDNC enjoyer. Mm. And Paul Ryan will jump on fake news CNN any chance he gets to you know, take pot shots at Donald Trump. So, you know, moving forward, we'll continue to do that. We're going to develop this a little bit more. Uh, right now, we've got a congressman-elect coming in. We're going to talk about some of the things that hopefully are going to be changing up on Capitol Hill come January. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's Congressman-elect from California looking to represent 3rd District in uh, Congress next year on Capitol Hill. He's joining us again with a big update. Mr. Kevin Kiley, thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. Great to be with you. Sir, congratulations is in order, obviously. Uh, finally getting the votes tallied up to have confirmed winning your race last week and uh, since then have been making some uh, pretty big waves. I know our listenership knows you as someone that was one of the hardest fighters in California against the Newsom agenda and the supermajority here in the state, and now you're taking that up onto Capitol Hill. How has things been since it's been made official? Well, you know, it's uh, exciting because we've ended the speakership of Nancy Pelosi, and, uh, you know, uh, we've uh, begun uh, now uh, actually orientation for the new members of Congress, and I think we've got a good group of uh, Republican members coming in. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to hit the ground running. We're coming to actually make things happen, uh, to push forward uh, a, uh, an agenda, get to get our country on the right track, and to uh, make full use of the oversight powers of the House of Representatives in order to hold the Biden administration accountable. Now, one of the things you mentioned there in regards to oversight, uh, it, it, we did see Representative Comer and Jordan come out last week to talk about both sides of the judiciary looking to uh, investigate what, you know, we reference on the show as the Biden crime family. A lot of their pay for play around the globe involving not only Joe Biden, but his, his brothers and obviously his son Hunter and stuff like that. Moving forward, it looks like that's something that Congress is going to be extremely focused on. Uh, what can you tell us about? you know, maybe previewing that so far and, and finally having some of these things that have been repressed from the mainstream media, uh, you know, back going back to the New York Post story uh, before the presidential election in 2020 with the Hunter Biden laptop all the way up to now to where we have like, you know, mainstream media outlets like CBS finally admitting that it's real and that we, it looks like we have some real oversight on the agenda about it. Well, right. That's one example. And they did the press conference this last week and, uh, you know, uh, looking at what kind of influences there might be uh, on our government. That's very important to get to the bottom of that. Or, But there's a lot of other examples. You know, we need to look at what's going on at Homeland Security, yeah. uh, what's going on at DOJ. Uh, there's uh, the Republican members of the House uh, Judiciary Committee uh, are also looking into uh, the Biden administration's misuse of federal uh, law enforcement and counterterrorism resources uh, to go after parents who are showing up uh, at school board meetings. I think we also need to look into a lot of the issues related to COVID, the origins of COVID, why it is that government agencies uh, so frequently uh, promoted uh, dubious information. And so, uh, you know, this is a vital function of the legislative branch is to provide accountability uh, to the president, to the executive branch. Pelosi has, of course, refused to do it uh, for the last two years. And that's going to change as soon as we get the gavels on January 3rd. 
Yeah, we are extremely looking forward to that. You did mention uh, the Department of Justice. So as we all know, President Trump announced his kickoff to his 2024 uh, campaign last week, Tuesday, from Mar-a-Lago. Within 24 hours, the Department of Justice uh, opened up another investigation, appointing a special counsel to investigate President Trump for, I believe they cited it as a... probes into Donald Trump and all of his basically they didn't give any real reasons they just want to uh, you know hang a dark cloud over it now in addition to that we've also talked about the stuff like the PTA meetings the weaponization of the January 6th committee and how you know whistleblowers from the FBI who have come to Congress talked to people like Representative Jordan Representative Gates and he begs and told them that like listen they're spider webbing this out and using you know, smoke and mirrors to make it look like it's a national issue when it's really not. And now you see the special counsel, uh, you know, put putting on Donald Trump. How does that make you feel going into Congress as with so many pressing issues, especially, you know, you come from a place like California, gas prices are higher, inflation is higher, the border is more of an issue. And now you have to worry about, you know, looking into why are they opening up a special counsel shortly after Donald Trump announces his presidential bid? Well, yeah, it's a great point. It just shows you how uh, out of uh, you know whack uh, this administration's priorities are. Uh, and uh, frankly, I think that this is a very political justice department. I think that uh, you've seen uh, that throughout the course of this administration. And so I do think that is a proper area of oversight. Is, is the uh, Are the resources of the Department of Justice uh, being used in an even-handed way uh, or for some other purpose? Uh, and so, uh, but again, uh, you're right. I think all of it is just uh, an attempt to create a distraction from the failures of this administration uh, when it comes to the economy, when it comes to their open border policies, when it comes to the violent crime that we're seeing growing across the country. Uh, they've been searching for scapegoats. That's been there rather than searching for solutions or, or stopping these incredibly damaging policies. They just search for scapegoats, and that's been their modus operandi. But the dynamic is now uh, going to change very much now that we have a majority in the House. Yeah, I certainly think it is. And then you mentioned scapegoats. They're definitely looking for one on the U.S. southern border. A lot of us, we tracked it on the show very closely. Alejandro Mayorkas was up on Capitol Hill last week before Congressional Committee answering answering questions. Again, he didn't have the answers. He said the data doesn't suggest the narrative that Republicans are building. Meanwhile, the black and white of it says that, you know, so many millions of people have come into the country and have been released in the country since the start of the Biden administration. Even a more alarming number is the amount of getaways and how people with possible ties to uh, criminal cartels international crime and and terrorist organizations could have been led into the country uh, unknowingly as well. And uh, it seems like they don't have an answer. Now with the federal uh, court saying that Title 42 is going to be taken away, it looks like it might even open up the floodgates more on an already really broken immigration system. Coming from a place like California, where this has always historically been an issue, what are some of the things you're looking on to focus moving forward on working with your new congressional counterparts in uh, getting this U.S. southern border under control? Well, we just need to go back to the policies that we had before Biden was in office. I mean, uh, you know, if policies like remain in Mexico uh, or providing for the the funding that's needed in order to fully secure the border, uh, you know, that's what we're going to be pushing for. Uh, because, you know, Mayorkas can, uh, you know, obfuscate all he wants. The numbers are what they are. In fact, they even tried to uh, hide these, uh, the new border numbers uh, to as, for as close to the election as possible or, you know, and try to make it so people didn't have this information uh, when they were voting. And then when they finally were forced to release 
released the numbers. And what do you know, it was an all time high uh, for uh, for border crossings. And so, uh, you know, Americans are fed up with this, uh, that we have these policies that have led to uh, all of the problems associated with the open border, whether it's uh, human trafficking, whether it's fentanyl, uh, whether it's all other manners of, uh, of lawlessness that we're seeing. And it absolutely is going to change. We're going to demand change starting uh, on January 3rd. Well, looking forward to it. Congressman, we want to be able to direct our listenership to be following you on social media as we'll uh, link, uh, obviously, your website. And then if you want to tell us where we could find you on social, we'll live link them in the show description today. Yeah, just uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and, uh, and Instagram. It's just uh, at Kevin Kiley CA. Perfect. And we'll be looking to have you back after the holidays for an update on Capitol Hill. We've loved tracking your campaign and building a relationship with you over the course of the season. Again, congratulations and uh, have a happy Thanksgiving. All right. Likewise. Thanks very much. This is Congressman-elect from California, Kevin Kiley. Thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Absolutely. Uh, Elon Musk reinstated uh, Donald Trump uh, to Twitter yesterday. Uh, Just to remind folks at home, Trump wasn't banned for mean tweets. He was banned because he used the platform to incite a violent insurrection on the Capitol. Uh, What's your reaction to Trump being reinstated on Twitter? You know, I have no reaction at this point in time to anything that Elon Musk or Donald Trump uh, does, particularly as it relates to social media. I am going to continue to try to lean into the principles of equal protection under the law, liberty and justice for all, government of the people, by the people and for the people, and build upon the amazing progress that House Democrats have brought to bear in partnership with Senate Democrats and President Biden and continue uh, to push for American exceptionalism throughout the country. All right. Hmm. That's current congressman in the future face of Democrat leadership when they don't control the House, Akeem Jeffries. Um, one of Noah's favorites. Oh, yeah. Not wanting to talk about Donald Trump or Elon Musk. Uh, it seemed like, you know, fake news tapper just wanted to bring on any single person that would feed into that narrative over the course of the weekend and they just ran people straight through his program trying to parrot the same thing. I, I don't understand what post they're referencing about him inciting a violent insurrection. I know, it's hilarious because... Like, well, tell me which post it was. Exactly. And then it literally, the posts, the last, you know, posts that he had made before he got taken off the platform literally disproved their entire narrative. I mean, I mean, was there... St- was it the stuff where they was talking about like how Pence should do the right thing? Ooh. Is that a violent insurrection post? Ask, <laughs> ask Mitch McConnell's desk. Mm, shits McConnell. Yeah. For those of you who are coming to know election denier, believe it or not, and the new face of Democrat leadership, Akeem Jeffries, I saw a little montage of him online and I pulled it just so we could hear some of his choice cuts. Let's, let's take a, Listen, legitimacy hanging over the White House right now. Russia interfered with our election for the exclusive purpose of trying to artificially place Donald Trump at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He wants to continue to play footsie with Vladimir Putin. Donald Trump's going to continue to stand for Vladimir Putin, and that's shameful. They're under criminal investigation in terms of the Trump campaign's possible role in colluding 
uh, with Russian spies to attack our democracy. It seems that the Trump campaign conspired with Russian spies to sell out our democracy. And now you have members closely affiliated with the Trump administration and possibly the president who are engaged in a cover up. 17 different intelligence agencies have concluded that Russia interfered with our election attacked our democracy for the sole purpose of artificially placing someone at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It was clear and convincing evidence that Donald Trump pressured a foreign government, Ukraine, <laughs> to target an American citizen, Joe Biden, uh, as part of an effort to cheat in the 2020 election. The reality is systemic racism has been in the soil of this country for 401 years. Republicans clearly in Texas and throughout the country uh, want to make it harder to vote and easier to steal an election. Well, geez, that's his uh, collaborative seven-year resume right there. How, 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 how does anything we want to do make it easier to steal the election? I feel like... I know. I feel like everything we want to do makes it harder, like just by default, given and, the fact that there's... for everybody on all sides, you know? It... it it's just that just keep saying the shit and people will believe it because every time I open my fucking mouth and end up talking politics around other people, they have no fucking idea what's going on in the world. Sometimes it's amazing. No, it's a, uh, it's alarming as well. Um, I did see as part of that, I, I heard he mentioned former Intel officials who have weighed in on all things from Russia collusion to the Hunter Biden laptop. I heard Jim Jordan the other day saying that he was going to subpoena those 51 former Intel officials who said that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation as part of their congressional investigation. So mm. hopefully there will be uh, stripping quite a few security clearances for these experts that go on nice. CNN and, and MSNBC and say we should initiate a ground war with Russia. So Andy Biggs. I saw him making some commentary because the Democrats are swinging all the blame over. They're forgetting that they've been in power for the last two years. And now that they will no longer control the House, say Republicans are the ones who crashed the economy, opened the border, <laughs> initiated the conflict in Ukraine, and all things in between. Uh, we do have to remember, though, who has been in power and that we're getting ready to hold them accountable. The kick when I hear um, my colleagues across the aisle saying, Republicans just won't work with us. They won't work with Democrats on inflation issues. And yet Democrats have controlled the House, the Senate, and the White House for the last two years when they've ginned up all of the conditions to give us this inflationary period that we are in and will, as Secretary Yellen is now predicting, be in for the next couple of years. And for everybody that's paying a little bit more at Thanksgiving this year, it's uh, definitely evident in all the stuff that... Uh, you know, we've seen due to the stock market opened up pretty green today. It's looking to close in the big red. They're definitely in the holiday spirit already. Um, I saw a reporter uh, want to get into it a little bit. Noah's mister, KJP. I've got huh. two from her in, 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 you know, as we're rounding up the news of the week. One. Old sideshow boob. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so so talking about the Hunter Biden business dealings and the congressional investigation that House Republicans are going to start after the first of the year, um, well, you can only imagine what her answer sounded like, but let, let's hear it. 
you address whether the president was involved in any of his son uh, Hunter or his brother's uh, foreign business deals? So look, I, you know, um, there's there's some a little bit of uh, interesting, uh, you know, yes, it is kind of on brand uh, thinking here huh? because. Um, you know, congressional Republicans uh, ran uh, saying that they were going to fight inflation. Mm -hmm. uh, they said they were going to make that a priority. They were mm -hmm. very clear yep. about that these past uh, several months. Mm -hmm. And instead, what they're doing is they're focusing. Wait, where's uh, the you know, answer to the They're question? focusing. They're making their type priority. They get the majority, and their type priority is actually not focusing on the American families, but focusing on the president's family. <laughs> so that was a long-winded non-answer. Oh. What do you mean? She said it. She said the quiet part out loud. Republicans ran on inflation, and now they want to open up special counsels into Joe Biden right after the Justice Department opened up a special counsel on Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got nothing. Mm. Shame. Just, wait till you see the reporters. Uh, so they had a Dr. Fauci going away party up on Capitol Hill today. Really? Sponsored by the White House press secretary. Free boosters for everybody on the way out the door. Listen, it was everything from my biggest concern leaving as a official in Washington, D.C. is that there are still so many unvaccinated people out there to retreading the old God gave you two arms so you can get a shot in each of them. Again? We won't be playing any of those hits today, but, but when it actually went to the... I think, I think we're at legs now. When it went to the reporters... <laughs> Might, two be, arms, two legs, two feet. Might be past A couple legs. of balls, maybe. We do have third arm? <laughs> but if you only have one. Yeah. But wait till you see what happens when they opened it up to reporters asking questions and her reaction to that. But before that, we can't get into the holiday spirit a little bit more than to hear Joe Biden incoherently ramble through the annual. Do, do we need to vaccinate our turkeys now? Turkey pardoning at the White House yesterday. Let's hear him. <laughs> Before I gobble up too much time, uh, there you go. I didn't mean to get started, man. Don't start on it. <laughs> by the way, that, that's my grandson, Bo, up there, and my granddaughter. Don't let him jump. <laughs> any rate, you know, uh, let, we got to get on with this. First of all, the votes are in. They've been counted and verified. There's no ballot stuffing. There's no foul play. What? The what only red mean? wave this season is going to be a German Shepherd commander knocks over the cranberry sauce on our table. That will cause. <laughs> they are big turkeys, aren't they? My fellow Americans, please welcome the 2022 National Thanksgiving turkeys, chocolate and chip. Chip. That's perfect. I tell you what, man. <laughs> They can go wherever they want. My favorites is when Donald Trump was president and he used to post videos. So they would bring the turkeys to like Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C. And they would yeah. literally like just like shit all over the beds. Yeah, like like like, like those beautiful rooms with like those two. Yeah. It, like all like regal. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They can go wherever they want. What are they, undocumented? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That was brilliant. Well, that's what was going on at the White House yesterday. Unfortunately. Or accidentally present or whatever the fuck they call him now. Joe Biden's 80th birthday was also this weekend. Uh, there was a picture with him and all of his grandkids that circulated across social media. I, I obviously screen captured it and reposted it with saying, 
how many sniffs do you think he's wishing for? Oh, gosh. I think it's awesome. His birthday, like one of his birthday presents was uh, Trump getting reinstated on Twitter. Yeah, it did happen on the same day. Um, you know, it's uh, funny because, like I had mentioned, Dr. Fauci was there for one of his farewell events, and, and afterwards they opened up the you know, press pool to some of the reporters who wanted to ask questions when one was asked about, do you still feel the same about the origin of COVID? You'll hear KJP not be too happy about it. Let's hear it. It is not your turn. It is not your turn. You can read the press briefing. You need to call from people across the room. She has a valid question. She's asking about the origin of COVID. I hear the question. Dr. Fauci is the best person to I hear your question. Question, but we're not doing this the way you want it. This is the disrespectful. It, it is. I'm done, Simon. I'm done. I'm Simon. I'm done. I'm done with you right now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're taking time away from your. Ugh. It's such their, bullshit. Their job is to answer these questions. No, their job is to answer the questions they're allowed to answer. Obviously, but like it's that's ridiculous. She totally snapped. At the, you know, like, obviously, did you say it's his farewell? Yeah, he, he's stepping down. Okay, so, I mean, these are legitimate questions, right, that people, these reporters are asking. Going to be going to my summer lab. Just makes it look bad. It's so winter. bad on them. Obviously, they're trying to hide something, so clearly. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to hide a lot of things. Not a good uh, look. No. I guess it was the fact that he was asking a question or. She, whoever was asking the question, it just wasn't on the list of questions. Yeah, the pool reporter got blown off, and then that guy interjected. It was like, come on, we got the expert right here. Let's, yeah, let's, let's hear it. Why don't we just do it? Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah, and she was not having that. So, And it ruined the, the crumble cookie she brought for everybody beforehand. Oh, that's a shame. Mm. Mm. Remember, you got God gave you two arms. <laughs> what if you have no arms? Oh! There you go. In our last audio clip of the day. Um, oh. Thank you. Come on, we're almost to your favorite part. You want to hit that button too? Mm. There it is. No, we're not there yet. Uh, Rep Ken Buck, I saw he was on Newsbacks this morning. He was talking about all things forward and looking ahead. We're talking about debt. We're talking about the military. We're talking about the special counsel with Donald Trump. He kind of rounded it out very nicely and takes us into the rest of the beginning of Thanksgiving week. Let's hear him in our last clip. The Democrats are complaining as per usual, but they've done the exact same thing. I mean, it's about time Ilhan Omar gets booted. The, yep. the, the amount of anti-Semitic remarks she has made, it's long overdue. What do you think? Well, look, I think uh, Nancy Pelosi set a terrible precedent by kicking people off committees, by uh, forming a committee without any Republican members uh, on the committee. Um, and, and we'll vote as a House uh, to decide whether uh, Omar Schiff and, and Swalwell get, get the committee assignments that they want. Frankly, I think uh, we need to solve bigger problems, but, but it's certainly a, uh, an issue that uh, Kevin McCarthy has taken up and, and wants to make a point of. Do you think he's kind of pandering? Is this, or is this like payback? What do you think why he's doing this? 
Well, I think right now he uh, has a, a deficit when it comes to conservative support. There's not a big margin in the House. He has to win a vote on uh, January 3rd with uh, uh, conservative support. He doesn't have a lot of it right now. And so uh, this is a way of telling conservatives, I'm going to I'm going to take this issue seriously. I think, uh, frankly, what we're what we're concerned about as conservative is 31 trillion dollars of debt. We're concerned about the uh, chaos at the border. We're concerned about how uh, morale in our military has been decreased as a result of vaccine mandates and uh, this woke indoctrination that's going on. There are a lot of issues that we need to deal with and conservatives in Congress are looking for that leader that will wade through those issues and, and carry the banner. Right, and the, the woke military now. I'm hearing some of the things that are going on in the military, mm. and we could lose another, what, 22,000 members of the military due to the vaccine mandate. I do agree with you that there are a lot more pressing issues, like we were talking about the fentanyl crisis. Now, those who oppose McCarthy on the right, like Congressman Andy Biggs and Matt Getz, have put forth many House rule changes they'd that like gets. to see, like eliminating donations from federal lobbyists or PACs that can give to House campaigns. Any chance these rules can be adopted in January? I think some of the rules will be adopted. Kevin Kevin's a smart player. He he knows what he needs to do to get elected, and he will make those changes. Um, I'm more concerned about parents and and being crushed uh, going to the supermarket or or the gas pump. I'm I'm concerned about parents uh, and and how they feel about their kids' education and not being able to discuss that. I think there are so many policy issues that we need to get into and that we will get into. Uh, but Kevin needs to show that he's a leader, or someone else needs to step up and make sure that we don't just conduct business as usual. We have so many budget gimmicks in Congress that we we play games and we end up with $31 trillion of debt. And people say, well, how did we get here? It's, it's really plain and simple. We lack leadership, the kind of leadership that's going to cut spending. Absolutely. What can be done about the fossil fuel industry? Day one that President Biden went into office, he basically declared war on it, shut down the XL pipeline. And as a result, we are seeing astronomical prices at the pump and then those prices get passed down to the consumer. It's one of the causes of inflation. Uh, And then you have the Federal Reserve that they're trying to raise up the interest rate. So now you have another industry that's being decimated, the housing market. What can be done to stop Biden's reckless policies at this point? Well, it's an issue that's near and dear to my heart. Frankly, we have a lot of oil and gas drilling in northern Colorado in my district. Uh, It has uh, all but been shut down by a reckless governor and a reckless president. Mm -hmm. Uh, The president certainly has control over federal lands and by using the EPA is trying to shut down oil and gas drilling on private lands. They have no answer. They have no answer for how we're going to produce energy to drive their electric cars and to uh, turn on the the lights and, and heat our homes. And, and that's really the problem. The problem isn't that uh, renewables at some point in time aren't a good idea. The problem is that we're falling farther and farther behind China while they burn their dirty coal and we can't drill for oil and gas, natural gas, gas that is clean when it's burned. Uh, we can't do those things. And so I, I think it's a horrible policy and, and America should reject that. But again, what we can do in Congress right now is to hold hearings. What we can do when we get a Republican president is to turn this country around. How can he be begging Venezuela for dirty oil when we have so much oil right here in the ground? We have so many hardworking Americans. We have the cleanest energy right here. Last I checked, China and Venezuela, they're part of the same environment, the same world. 
and it's just it's decimating us. I don't think people understand that it jeopardized also our national security. It made us weaker as a nation when we went from being energy dependent instead of energy independent as we once were under President Trump. The, the, the folks who produce energy now are not our friends. Russia, Venezuela, Iran, uh, even the, the, the Saudis, uh, you know, financing uh, the 9-11 the attacks. We, we have to make sure that we strive for that energy independence. We can buy get, um, oil and, and, and build pipelines and get that oil from Canada into our refineries and, and, uh, and also drill more and, and especially offshore drilling should be opened up so that we have the kind of oil uh, that we need to produce energy here. Uh, funding our enemies is a fundamentally bad idea and it's part of the policy agenda of this administration. Mm, excellent points there, mm-hmm. kind of a broad agenda. I, I get sad when I hear him say like the, the course of the next, you know, Republican House is to open investigations and have committees so we can fix it, which means two more years of uh, buckle up buttercups. Yeah, definitely. We shall see. <laughs> buckle up buttercup. Mm, like that one. I also mm-hmm. liked our show today. I thought it was uh, quite a banger. Timely, if you will, according to Noah. <laughs> there we go. Great way to kick off the Thanksgiving week and holiday season here on Steak for Breakfast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear the other 188 editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podatic, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Beach. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to our great guest today former congressman, current CEO of True Social, Mr. Devin Nunes, and congressman-elect from California's 3rd District, House Representative Kevin Kiley. Loved sitting down with both of them and getting some big-time updates. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners, because when you do that, the only thing that happens is you help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Holiday overstock sale. Before Mike Lindell is whipping out any of those Christmas surprises, you're going to enter promo code STAKE at checkout and take care of all the stuff he's got in the warehouse. Um, if you're more of a morning person, they've launched my coffee. Remember, promo code STAKE will get you 25% off at checkout, 50% off monthly subscription, to 90% off the MyPillow store. So be sure to check them out, mypillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep-related. For more of a coffee person, mystore.com forward slash steak. You could always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned, you'll only find them at Odyssey thinking about doing anything in the studios recording music podcast oh my get yourself a pair of odyssey headphones you won't regret it the patriot cigar company remember you enter promo code stake there you're getting 15 percent off your orders 100 dollars orders or free shipping 10 dollars e-gift card with every purchase mypatriotcigars.com forward slash stake a premium smoke for freedom loving patriots man rubs i don't think i'm gonna man rub my turkey why not i don't know we do like the butter, wine, brine. You know, it might be good. Mm. Little man rubs mixed in with the stuffing. I like it. Might actually try it. I make the Italian sausage stuffing mm. on Thanksgiving. It's a treat. Uh, manrubs.com. Find them on Instagram and Facebook. Stay ready to gear holsters. If you want a picture of KJP 
eat a cookie and being sad at Dr. Fauci's goodbye party. <laughs> They'll throw it on a concealed carry Kydex holster. They'll get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has a pretty simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com is the newly redesigned, easy-to-use website. He's on Facebook Messenger. You can give him a call, too. 619-870-6992. Mediocre Medic, for all our first responders, you're going to like everything they've got in their store. You're going to love their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least... Just go get a zero fucks duck and put it on your stocking. You will not regret it. And you'll thank me later. Dumpbox.us is the website. Find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. I already teased it. Former acting U.S. Attorney General Matt Whitaker will be here. And former Trump administration official Theo Wold will be joining us as well. Uh, we'll get into December. I've got a little bit more scheduling going on. A lot of moving parts. But uh, great shows. On the way. Friends of the week, our Truth Social Twitch streamer crew. Can never forget them. Beastie Man 420, Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Good Old Fashioned Lover Boy, CSM Master, Suitcase right back at you, Siberian Kitten, some of our True Social friends, some call me Tim79, 13 Gen Patriot, Thomas Bama, Jason E. Van Gundy. And then can't forget some of the meme team. Grand Old Memes had the banger at Kinzinger this week. I loved it. <laughs> Tears NP, Right Wing Savages 2.0, Midnight Mitch, Let's Go Brenda, Not Far Out, Dumbass Photoshop, C3P Meme, Dropped Trump and Sons, Volume 18, another banger as usual, Thanksgivingly appropriated called Turkey, Spoopy, Mostly Peaceful, and our good friend Ghost Hammer. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday, I think 1A will be, have a great Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But number one is do your own research. Number two is start a podcast. Noah? Not bad. Easy peasy today. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Not in the way Chris Christie usually tries to do it, but in the way Donald Trump does it a little bit more. We need to start talking about American greatness. We don't talk about it enough. It is time. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 189 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with episode 190 on Friday. Matt Whitaker, Theo Wold, the pod team bringing you all those Thanksgiving leftovers and a whole lot of the news. On behalf of everybody, I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Antoinette? Bye, guys. See you later. I love it. Thanks for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving, and take care. And I'm watching the news now. They're declaring the end of the Trump era. Now, okay, I can see how in New York you might believe this is the end of his era. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I live in Ohio amongst the poor whites. <laughs> A lot of you don't understand why Trump was so popular, but I, I get it because I hear it every day. He's very loved. And the reason he's loved is because people in Ohio have never seen somebody like him. He's what I call an honest liar. Well, I'm not joking right now. He's an honest liar. That first debate, that first debate, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs, this whole system is rigged, he said. <laughs> and across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. <laughs> it's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if, in fact, the system is rigged, as you suggest, what would be your evidence? 
Remember what he said, bro? He said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, God damn. <laughs> and then he pulled out an Illuminati membership card and chopped a line of cocaine up and did it right into the podium. No one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. <laughs> and then he said, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't, because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends, a star was born. <laughs> no one had ever seen anything like that. No one had ever seen somebody come from inside of that house, outside and tell all the commoners, we are doing everything that you think we are doing inside of that house. They just went right back in the house and started playing the game again. 